Welcome to Cinespection. Two guys, two opinions, talking about movies, TV, and more. Okay, so now to our first story this week. Um, both John and I watched Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max over the weekend. Uh, we could have seen it in theaters, but we didn't think it was a good idea. You know, COVID's still a thing, and it'll be a thing for the forthcoming months. So stay home, right? Because we don't want to be in this forever. Um, but we watched it, and uh, I actually have a non-spoiler uh, review for this on my site on filmopinionized.com. So if you want to check that out, I basically uh, going to echo what I'm going to say here. But if you want to check that out, it's up there. So we're, we're going to do this this way. We're going to have a non-spoiler review first or a general impression, so just, you know, our basic thoughts. And then we're going to jump to spoilers right after. So let's let's do the non-spoiler part. Uh, John, what, what do you think? What were your general uh, impressions of this movie? Um, all right, no spoilers. You know, I wasn't overly hyped to see this movie. I'll, I'll be the first to, to say that. When people ask me, are you excited to watch Wonder Woman 84? I kind of just shrugged it off and said, well, we're going we're gonna to watch it for the cast and, and we'll see how it goes. You know, I never go into a movie hoping that it's bad, ever. I don't want to waste two and a half hours of my time. I don't want to waste anybody else's time talking about a movie that I think is, is bad. This movie just was meh at most didn't live up to the little bit of hype that I saw. I actively tried to stay off of social media. If you, if you look at my Twitter, then you'll know. Like, I didn't say anything to anybody. I didn't comment on anything. I, I matter of fact, I didn't even give my two cents on Twitter uh, because I didn't want to, to ruin this podcast. But mainly because I just, I don't have that great of an impression of it. And I didn't want to get in the middle of the, the Twitter battle that is raging right now. Oh God, yeah. That that is that is. But let's just like acknowledge that that is the worst part of any comic book movie or any any big movie these days. The Twitter conversation that just it's just uh, yeah, it's just it, annoying. Uh, yeah, it is. And you know, I didn't want to be a part of that. I, the only thing I said was listen to our podcast about it, and knowing that we were right. going to record. That being said. It was a. It was still a letdown. Not having any expectations going in, and then spending two hours of my day watching it. It was a letdown. It it didn't deliver on some of the things that I really hoped it would, and I I found the plot reused, and that's kind of my general opinion. It it was some parts of it were fun, and I you know I enjoyed them. Some of the action sequences were were kind of cool. I think Kristen Wiig was great. Um, but, well, we'll get to Kristen Wiig in the spoiler part, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that that's I'm I'm not saying anything about anything other than she had a good performance. Gail Gadot, uh, her performance was what you expect. But yeah, so so what did you think? I mean, compared to the first movie, was it meh? Was it yeah? I I was I was very disappointed by this thing. I I actually I I'm not the biggest fan of the first one. I like it, but I just don't think it was. This, good as many people thought it was i thought it was fine and, and i'd love to talk about the first one on its merits at some point but um i think 
if, if, if there was something like clearly wrong with it, but the first one was that it was constrained a bit by the Zack Snyder aesthetic and, and he was a producer on the first one. I don't think he was a producer on this one. So I was really looking forward to them moving away from that, you know? So it didn't yeah. have like the, the dark cinematography, you know, and, and everything didn't seem as edgy. And it just, it, I, I was really looking forward to it being its own thing and like no restraints set it in the 80s to a completely different thing and just it was it was not good i mean it, it i i tried to like it i tried to like it so hard like every time there was a good scene because they had some good scenes here and there i was like okay now i'm liking it and then it was just like 20 minutes of nothing and then it was just like the, the same issue again with a poor cgi which is just like keeps keep playing in this movie then and, and I don't know, like... I don't think it's just this movie, though. Like, I mean, they don't have ILM over at Warner Brothers, right? Like, they, they don't have what is arguably the greatest CG company in the world over there, like Disney does. And I don't want to compare this to Marvel. I'm just saying that ILM does great work. That being said, it this CG thing plagues almost all of the DC movies. Like just oh, but not just the DC movies. Like then you get the Black Panther and all these like movies that people spend hundreds of millions of you know dollars and just like you can't have like some decent CG. It, yeah. it's it's just weird. And and then I mean the, the second thing is we're about about to to move to the, the spoilery part. But like, do you think this is uh, like within the DCU is this, this top ranked, bottom ranked? Uh, quickly before we move on, I guess it, it's not top ranked, but it's certainly not bottom ranked. You know, bottom ranked is the movies that I think are I won't say unwatchable, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I don't want to watch them a second time. I it's in the middle of the tier, but it's only in the middle of the tier because my expectations in in the DC cinematic universe are so low. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and yeah, being middle middle tier in the DC EU is basically being uh, bottom tier anywhere else because yeah, yeah, you don't have good things to compare it to. I, I, I to me, it's it's closer to the bottom. But um, so let's get to to uh, to spoilers now, and and this is this is where we go uh, all in. Here's our spoiler jingle that we all love. Now that we've all seen it, or we don't care that we haven't, does this story work? Like, what, what do you think, John, about this thing with the wishes and uh, 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 like uh, having two villains uh, just for one, basically just there for for having somebody to fight with the Donald Trump analogies? Like, what what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I mentioned it to you before, but this harkens back to the days of Batman Forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's old school DC. Yeah. It is. And the problem is is that Batman Forever, while it is watchable, wasn't great by any means, and most of it is saved by, like, Jim Carrey, even though most people hate him. The The plot is very similar. Instead of mind control touching every household in Gotham, you have this, I don't know, satellite control machine that beams itself to touch every person. We can call it, we can call it a plot device to yeah. um, uh, make sure you have a ticking clock and a superpower at the end. It doesn't work. The two villains just don't work. You wasted, in my opinion, a great villain in Kristen Wiig who could have been cultivated. You know after today that they are going to make a third movie. 
So instead of this whole buildup that we like to see in our cinematic universes, it was just a quick, you know, don't really give her that much character development. Give her just enough to be like the whiny teenager or the the poor old pitiful me person and then make her want to be uh, Diana Prince. Well, the, 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 yeah, the, the, the worst part there is that we know that these, like, nerdy guy gets a makeover bad guys. They always fail in these movies. And yeah. it's proven by experience. Electro, uh, Jim Carrey, Uma Thurman, right? Like, it, just, it keeps happening. And these people just don't learn. And I, I it's, just, it's Kristen Wiig, and we'll talk about her later. And I, I think she's really charismatic and really funny, and I like her in everything. But it's just here, it's like, just a script that's just like basic and 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 it it it, it tries which is our second point is like it tries to feel like it was made in the 80s it, it, it's not said in the 80s it feels it, they try to make it feel like it was made in the 80s including the cg right including cg and it's it's it, it, it's uh which he's flying you know it's it's, it's kind of like a richard donner kind of thing superman uh but then they they kind of have you know have to try to have it both ways because they insert numerous present day themes, right? Like the the the, the, the Donald Trump uh, thematics just like mm-hmm. blew my mind how annoying they were because Peter Pascal is playing Trump because he's like a businessman, he's bankrupt but pretends not to be. The commercial looked Trumpian, right? He's in commercials at the beginning, and then his haircut looks like Trump, right? But then it's so, so uh, but then it's also said in the '80s, and I guess Trump was a thing in the '80s, but he wasn't like he is now. So I just it's 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 happened in the worst possible way for both sides, the eighties and now. And it doesn't it doesn't the story is just not good and this wishing thing is just like I when, when I was like, is this what the story's gonna be? Like a rock that grants people's wishes? Is that is it like I had a I had a moment of reckoning, you know, it's just like I mean for me it feels like they were trying to use something out of Indiana Jones, right? Like the, some legendary rock that the Nazis find right, allows Hitler right. to wish something true, right? That's something yeah. that, that's a plot device that I could see in Indiana Jones. It just doesn't work when you're talking about this. The flying was so bad. It was well, if it's Indiana it's another 80s thing right yeah <laughs> like, yeah the flying is not good it, it doesn't look good i mean i know it physics don't matter in these movies oh yeah i mean i get it but it's but, but it's you just know, like come on, give yeah. us a break at some point and the thing is, yeah. is you introduce what i didn't like about the flying is okay so you introduce the invisible jet which everybody, of course, you know, you're giving them a throwback. You're giving them, you. if you've listened to our podcast before, you're giving them that nostalgia feel, right? Like, right, right, Wonder right. Woman's Invincible Jet. And then she doesn't use it again. It's like, right. Which, which was, it, it, was, it was also so stupid. I I, I mean, the I, I get what they did. They do not her just to have an implicable plane. So, we, you know, we yeah. got to work around it. Again, that's another mixture of, uh, current logic that you got to make it logical she can't just have an invisible plane because how am i going to explain that you know but she has a lasso of truth that that's okay to explain but and then but the fact that they need to steal a combat plane from the Smithsonian because she he doesn't have a passport (laughs) yes he does he's he's just some guy like it's just that how do you know that guy doesn't have a passport you know it's just I mean, let's, let's, this, this is actually going to touch on a really good area. You who used to live in D.C. and me that is a current, you know, Washington, D.C. area resident. First off, the Smithsonian, there's no runway, 
right? right, like, right, even, right. If you go to, even if you go to the <laughs> Rustin, the Rustin Air and Space Museum, which is not in DC, it's what, 30 minutes outside of DC roughly. Well, it's actually close to the airport, but it doesn't it have its own runway. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have its own runway. And they're not right. gonna, and those planes don't fly. They are all well, they don't have fuel. They, they take yeah, the engines yeah, yeah. out. Right? Yeah, they don't have fuel. Fuel. Yeah, like how are you going to get fuel for that thing, right? It's it, it's incredibly lazy, and it's just like, oh, we're going to get the invisible plane. But just have her have an invisible plane. You know, Marvel's doing things with where they where a raccoon is the main character. Yeah, you know? exactly. Let's just let's just go with it, man. Like, what what's the fear in this thing? And again, you're sitting in the '80s, and you have this like ridiculous scene in the beginning in a mall that just borrows so much from Stranger Things. Uh, oh, season yeah, three, yeah. like it's. I, I, I had a point. I was like, "Is that the same mall?" Because there's a very there's the police cars were actually accurate to Fairfax County. I will give them that. But you know, here's oh, the I thing. saw that too. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What is hilarious about this? Okay, so the police cars were like basically spot on to Fairfax County. But they couldn't edit out the silver line in the metro scene. By the way, anybody who's not a DC resident, the silver line uh, didn't open until 2015, 2016. And then they also had the green line in there, which didn't open until the 90s. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so you're, you're sitting here telling me you can get the police car factually accurate, but you can't in CG, in post, just brush over these things that haven't existed. Like, it, it just goes to show... And we'll talk about this a little bit more. That their attention to detail was really in the wrong place. Like, okay, you you got the. I actually I was so happy that they got the police car right because you look at movies like Captain America: Civil War, which also shot in DC, and you know what? It didn't really shoot much in DC. Nothing. It it, it shot like maybe ten scenes in DC. But they got the they they didn't get the metros right. They didn't get Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime. Also, doesn't get the metros right. So you know it is really nice when they get something right about our city. But then you take it and it's like, okay, you got one little tiny thing right. I really wouldn't have cared about the police cars. Like, right. I mean, you know. But if you're going to pay that much attention to it, pay attention to everything, not just this one scene. And I was really happy yeah. that they shot it in DC, right? Because we don't. I, I was too. Even the metro scene was in DC. Like the metro. Yeah, that was, I was like, fun. The metro scene is. Horrible. It, like the metro in DC is, is just like fucking horrible. It, it's a hor it's old and it's it's just not nice to be there. But they shot it there. And that was yeah. like wow. You know, because usually when you have a movie in DC, you have a couple of scenes at the Lincoln Memorial, right? Or at the Capitol yeah. building or something like that. It's just like, oh it's DC, but then you don't do anything else in DC. And this one was shot in DC the majority of it at least. Uh, yeah, um, actually and, in and, the DC scenes yeah. they did. And they didn't do some basic editing in LaFont Plaza. I know we're nitpicking here. But I'm just going, this is just my going to grow to my yeah. larger point as we keep talking about this is they paid attention to the wrong things when they were making this movie. They paid attention to the cop, the cop car, but not the things in the metro that didn't exist. Right. They paid attention to, uh, the, or they didn't pay attention to the Smithsonian stuff. Like the fact that all of those things that are in the Smithsonian, I think that some of them were still floating in space in the 1980s, to be, to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah it, it feels sloppy and but 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 perhaps what i thought was the sloppiest in this movie is the pacing the pacing is just oh, horrendous so it starts it starts with a 
pretty somewhat entertaining action sequence in Themyscira that doesn't really go absolutely anywhere except to introduce how she was taught that truth was all that matters, which made me groan. You know, every time I saw that Donald Trump, you know, pseudo Donald Trump was a villain, he was like, yeah, we know, we know. And then, you know, a cameo by Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen, like a five-second cameo by each. They probably got paid a million dollars to be there. Good for them. I like them both as actresses, but they had nothing to do with this movie. Uh, I started thinking whether it was it was actually just a big up, just a reshoot, because there was no reason for that scene to be in there. And then, well, they took over an entire mall. Do you know how much that scene probably cost? Right. Them? Because well, they built all of Landmark right, Mall. Right. Like they probably they went into this dilapidated mall once again. But they, they went into this mall that's outside, it's in Arlington area, and, and they redid this whole mall for this one movie. And then you go in and you think that maybe some major scene is going to take place because we've heard that they redid this mall. And then it's like a five-minute scene with horrible CG, horrible CG throughout the entire movie. And then the plot just kind of like, okay, let's take a 20-minute detour. Let's slow everything down for 20 minutes. I don't know. I think that we've been spoiled. It just it no, not twenty minutes because after that mall scene, the movie just drags for like an hour, an hour and twenty minutes. Like it just I I I, I paused it when it was like an hour and a half in. I didn't know it was an hour and a half in for a bathroom break, and it was it was still an hour to go. And I was like, my God, this shit, nothing's happening. This thing, nothing like really, really. A, a go, good or entertaining happens until they go to Egypt. And because that's the next action sequence. And no, we're not just looking for action, but it's just like nothing, like, you know, it just it just feels uneventful. And it just, it's boring to see. Um, it, 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 the, the pacing is just not good. And, 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 and the next point is the action, because there's barely any action in it. I know Patty Jenkins was like really strong into like, I, I don't want the climax to be a CGI mess, but like, yeah. You know, like it wasn't the first one. I got a lot of complaints and it's like, sure, that's fine if it was emotionally relevant, but they tried to make it an emotional climax of Diana finding the hope in people or something. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is not Diana like... has no range when it comes to something like that. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to her performance, but yeah, she has no range. She, she can, she's not... Yeah. We'll get to her, but... She's not the best at this thing. And Pedro Pascal, I mean, that that, that moment, I mean, the, the, the problem is, the thing here, so what's important in, in movies like this, when you want to make the world at stake an important thing, you got to make the, the, the people in the world a, a, a character of sorts, right? So you need to you need to establish that the, the world has lost hope or that the world is hopeful despite what's happening or something. You know, it's like a disaster movie when, you know, you're going to destroy uh, uh, Tokyo and you have uh, uh, two or three minutes of Tokyo people doing something. You know, I'm thinking the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Remember that scene? I think it's in Tokyo where the, the hail is like like really big rocks. And, and you have this guy telling his wife, I'm on my way home and just eating food or something. You know, you get you get a couple of minutes or just establishing the, 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 the environment of the character. But this movie doesn't do anything with that. And then all of a sudden they want us to like be like, yes, the world is hopeful when they spent the whole movie establishing that the world sucks because all men are rapists in this universe. In this universe. Every, all men except for Chris Fine want to rape something. And oh, they all kill Keith Raniere? Yeah, to, to have a, a preview of our next story, um, are they all Keith Raniere? 
<laughs> you know, the, other, the other thing that you look in here is like when they start showing things, there's a lot of plot holes here because it, we're kind of segueing in. Okay, so all the nuclear missiles just disappear. Well, first off, that would mean that every nuke that had ever right. been created was only created by wishes, which we know isn't true. And they didn't disappear like mystically. They all blew up in the sky. I, did somebody wish for all the nukes to go away? And by the way, there were literally people on the streets holding up no nuke signs. So you're telling me that all of these people are also wishing for the nukes, and then there are other people that are not that are wishing for no nukes. Like it does that doesn't make sense. And then, well, not not only that, but again, attention to detail. But did you see that there were nuclear missile, missiles in like Africa? Like, what was South Africa bombing Congo or something? Like, I, I didn't get what they were trying to go there because uh, I thought, I mean, to, to the point of it, it being said in the 80s, I was like, okay, if you said something in the 80s, you're going to have some 80s things happen, right? So the Cold War. But apparently everybody wanted to yeah, bomb everybody. It. Everybody just wanted to release the nuclear weapons. and like, Yeah, right. And, you know, it's all of us. It, it just, I guess it was trying to play on the somewhat i don't want to call it nostalgia because i don't think anybody was hoping for a nuclear holocaust during the 1980s but it's just playing off of that tire trope of like you know the world is at war and we're all going to kill ourselves and it's all on the brink and while i get that and that's a major point of the 80s what was it you know pedro pascal's character what was he doing honestly like he was going to grant everybody the wish for nuclear weapons and then kill everything that he was working for so like it didn't make any sense that he was doing this well why 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 was he doing it was it he because he was dying right so it was to make yeah think about this so like the whole world is gonna he the whole plot of this movie was this man wants the stone so that he can grant wishes so that he can be the most powerful person to impress his son like let's dig down to impress his son and to be the father that he never had he wanted to be this grandiose man who's rich and everything else. So he becomes the stone to be able to do this and grant wishes and then take what he wants. The problem here is if he wants to be the ruler of the world, which is kind of what he's going for at the end, there would be no world left because there are nuclear weapons going off at the, this point. So like, it makes no sense because the whole world's about to be destroyed. Right, right. So the entire thing that he wants to control is being destroyed, and he's perfectly happy with it until he sees his son is going to be killed. Like, it, the whole plot there just it doesn't make any sense. The script was horrible. Like, whoever thought this through was just like, it's the 80s. Let's launch, let's launch a bunch of news. No, whoever, whoever thought this through, yeah, no, whoever thought this through didn't. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't, right? Like, and also, everything with his son was just weird because. Like he, he was like um, um, at the beginning he was like I want to prove myself to my son and then when he finally like you know being you know what he wants his son he, he wants his son to think he is I guess right he's like oh just give yeah, him a exactly. pony or some or a race car or whatever so, so it's like it just felt like a like a like a script rewrite that just was left there because it was like what which one is it he doesn't pay attention to the son and he realizes that he loves him in the end. Or he wants to prove himself to his son. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make no. any fucking sense. And it's just, it, 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 and it happens so much in this movie. Like it happens so much. Uh, the thing with Chris Pratt, uh, not Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, um, 
and, and him being in another guy's body. So like what, that guy's consciousness just disappears and then comes back. Well, it's like, the cat it's, and soul. It, 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 He's basically the cat and soul. Right, right, exactly, exactly. He's the, the cat and soul without uh, the beauty and nuance of the soul. But yeah, it, 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 it just, it just feels, feels wrong. And, and like something, something that people have to be talking about a lot is the cultural inaccuracies in this movie. Like, you know, and we, we, we kind of hinted at it on the, on the attention to details, but, yeah. uh, you know, Egypt, you know, something very dear to your heart, uh, uh, John, like, what, what did you think about the Egyptian? Well, a little backstory, my fiance is Egyptian and it just like, it, it wasn't just Egypt, like this could have been in any country, but it just fed into just the whole, like, okay, this guy is a terrorist. And, like, even, you know, I was thinking a bit earlier, even, like, when the world is ending and he's granting all of these wishes, there's just some random terrorist there, like, shooting bullets, and then he hears Gail Gadot's speech, and it's like, I re you know, I take back my wish. It's like, why are we showing this entire part of the world like this? Why don't we have a little bit more sensitivity towards it? And then also, like, if you look at, like, the, the exports out of Egypt, like, oil's not a big one. Why wouldn't you set it in a, a massive oil-producing country? Right, then that's then that's what I thought that they were leaning in, leaning into. Like, we're gonna have this massive action sequence in the pyramids of Giza, or or somewhere else in Egypt, so it's exotic and cool. And you know, yeah, I I'm, I'm in for an action sequence in Egypt. They're always, you know, it's it's cool, right? But they don't do that. They do some like random highway or something like in the middle of nowhere. This uh, kind of poor action sequence that like just feels. <clears throat> not really well done, and then all of a sudden they put like, oh, let's throw in some kids playing in the middle of a highway. Yeah, in the middle of a desolate highway, in the middle of a desert, and let's make these kids, you know, I, it didn't make any sense. And then let's have, you know, go to uh, take and or Wonder Woman take and throw her lasso to grab a missile and then like ride the missile forward, which makes no sense because in, later on in the movie we just see her flying anyway. So like it's just it's no, also also dumb because like she saves the kids, I guess, but then they're about to be run over and the, yeah. the bad guy cards you swerve and they don't hit the kids. So like her whole they they were they, the only one that almost hit him was uh Chris Pine. Yeah. Uh, uh, Chris Pine is just so dumb. But moving on, because we're almost out of time. But Gal Gadot, okay. Uh she's not a good actress. I know we like her in this character, um, but she does not have a lot of range. She she's not good. Um she tries really hard. She has a really imposing physical presence. You know, she's a beautiful woman. She has a lot of like personality. You know, you're she's appealing to see you know, for anybody, but she's just not able to sell this, like, not at all. And it, no, zero. Yeah, nothing. Zero. And, 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 and she was good in the first one, but... I, I don't, I don't want to go too far into this, but that speech at the end, you know, which is supposed to be this heartfelt, riveting speech to all of humanity, it was so monotone. It was so just bland. It didn't make you feel, like... I don't like to compare Marvel to DC, but when Captain America gives a speech in a Marvel movie, your hair stands up on your arms. You know, like you yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. when Chris Evans gives that thing. And they even do it like they do it so much that they make fun of it in in game where they're like, wow, he is really good at that. Because that just shows Chris Evans has amazing range, by the way. I mean, he just does. But you don't get that from her in the one scene of the movie that you should really get that like deep feeling emotion no. it just falls flat right no it, it doesn't it doesn't work yeah and, and and then um 
And then Pedro Pascal. I, I never thought I would see the day that Pedro Pascal, everyone's favorite. He was over in Martel. He's the Mandalorian. He's in Narcos. You haven't seen Narcos. He's pretty good in Narcos. Yeah, he is good in Narcos. My, my God, he was just miscast in this role. Again, this Donald Trump guy, like Maxwell Lord-ish, I guess. Uh, it's it's He didn't make any right choices. They didn't do him any favors with his wardrobe, his hairstyle, his dialogue uh nothing it was it, I, i'm it, he was to me the worst part of the movie i i really like him as an actor i really do yeah i don't know if he just hated the role or what it was but like he it just fit you're right it was something about it like the suit was too big you know what i mean like he got into the suit and it's like this fit if you've seen him in narcos he's great in narcos and of course the mandalorian and everything else that he's done he's great in and then you see him in this movie and you're just like uh like the attachment to his son, right? Like you don't feel any attachment to his son. Yeah, not at all, not at all. Yeah. And, and and the kid is not a good actor either. But let's not trust the kid. But Kristen Wiig, to me, the highlight of the movie. She was to me the best part of the movie. She was funny when she had to be. She was like intimidating when she had to be. She she worked better with the special effects, yeah. <clears throat> which is something we can't say about Gal Gadot. I like Kristen Wiig. I I, I liked her. I like the way she looked at she, as Cheetah. Some people were saying she looked like a jellical cat from Cats. Yeah, that's a whole lot I've heard. But yeah, I, I don't think she does. I liked her. I, I, I was a fan of Kristen Wiig. I wish she would have gotten a better movie. Her performance was good for me. I didn't really have any negatives. I, you know, I've heard the Cheetah thing, but I, I think the transformation should have taken longer in my mind. That's just like a nitpicky thing. Other than that, her performance was very reminiscent of... Um, was it Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns? Right. When she becomes Catwoman. Like, I feel like you see that in her, this like nerdy, teased out hair type of girl who then becomes Cheetah. And I think that she could have done a great job if this would have been a multi-movie arc and we could have gotten more character development out of her in the beginning. Maybe this movie would have just been her working with Wonder Woman to solve a better villain's problem. Um, and then we find out that she really becomes jealous and she becomes like a fill-in for Chris Pine's character. I would have loved to have seen this take in a multi-movie arc. Um, I think that would have fixed a lot of the pacing issues too, because a lot of the pacing issues were cutting back and forth between her and Wonder Woman. She was the best actor in the movie, but yeah, it, you know, that's not saying much. It's not saying much. It's just, she's just not as bad as other things. But um, anyway, just 10 seconds, John. Do you want to see Wonder Woman 3? Was just green lit, apparently. Ten seconds, no more, because we're out of time. No. Wow. <laughs> that's it. That, that's it. Um, that's that's where I'm at with it. I I will watch it to review it. I don't really care to see it. I'm really losing faith in DC. The more that, the more and more, I'm just losing more and more faith. Unfortunately. Wow. Well, I I, I mean, just ten seconds on me. I wrote on my on my blog. I thought, oh, the the Gal Gadot dynamic came unscathed. You know, she can. She can do better if the script plays to her strengths as a, as, a, as a performer. And I think I would like to see another film if they learn from this one and did something better or different. Or have her show up in a Superman movie or, you know, something like that. I, I would I would like to see her again. Um, I'll be watching Wonder Woman 3. I'm still excited for it, even though I technically haven't liked either this one or the other one uh, as much. But uh, that's it. Okay. Well, this was fun. Uh, John, I think we have to move on to our next story because we've been talking about this for half an hour. All right, before we get to our review of Soul, let's make sure we don't lose the audience to talk about some 
cool. Well, we are going to talk about something cool because Soul is amazing. But before that, we're going to talk about Nexium. And I don't know many people that have really heard about this. It was kind of in the press, but I don't really remember it. I think it got kind of overtaken by the Harvey Weinstein thing. I know that uh, you have mentioned this on a couple other podcasts, Gabe, and and you got me to watch it because I heard you talking about it. I was like, oh, I'll check it out. It's on HBO Max. It's one of the, the few things that HBO Max has going for it. Um, <laughs> the Vow. It's, it's called The Vow. It's a documentary series for context called The Vow. Um, and yeah, it's about Nexium Cult and its founder, Keith Raniere, which I keep saying Raniere, you know, like the mountain, but it's not. It's right. The mountain's right here close to where I am. Um, yeah. yeah, it's Raniere. Not sure why. Yeah, so, I mean, for context, if you don't know, Nexium was a cult. They didn't call themselves a cult. They, they said they were a multi-level marketing firm or something. Anyway, they, they had lots of followers, and they kind of, like, you know, treated their followers really bad because, like, they, they had them pretty much brainwashed into, you know, this ideology. And then they started another division called Dawes within uh, the cult where they basically had women as sex slaves uh, for this guy, Ranieri. Um, it, it, it's and that's horrible. where it gets really bad. That's where right. it gets really bad, right? Yeah. Like everything else. Yeah, I, just to touch on the vow real quick. When you first start watching it, the first two, um, you don't know. By the way, it's done by the the same director. But the the vow, when you first start watching it, you're like, a, it just seems like some Tony Robbins, Simon Sinek self improvement seminar type thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah where they've just added multi-level marketing, right? Like, I've actually seen Simon Sinek speak. I love him. I've read right. books. They take it very far uh, with their multi-level marketing, and it's, like, you know, $5,000 for a five-day class, and it's always in some grungy hotel or Albany, New York, for whatever reason. <laughs> for some reason. Uh, <laughs> before we really get into it too much, the people that were involved – there were a couple actors from Battlestar Galactica. There were a couple actors from Smallville. Um, filmmakers. And, you know, they actually taught classes. I mean, Richard Branson let them come teach a class on Necker Island. I mean, you know about this game. But the, the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama, like, greeted them, agreed to meet them, went to Albany. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's kind of shocking. And I think the vow just a great job I've got I've, like it takes you through like look how nice it is we were super happy and like the recruitment videos and all that shit and it's just like the first couple of episodes just that and they kind of hint that something's going on but you don't know what it is if, i mean we, we did i did because I, I did catch it in the news but um they kind of hint at what's going on and then the episode is a slow burn and i think it works really well but it is it is a, it's like what nine episodes? Yeah, the vow, the vow is nine, and then there's going to be a second that just got greenlit right. by HBO. Right, which I can't, I can't wait to see it because they, they actually, it seems like it got Ranieri. Yeah, they did. And the, the second in command, uh, I'm blanking her name. Oh, um, her daughter was uh, Lauren. My God, Susan. Her daughter was Lauren. No, no not Susan. Uh, oh, yeah. God. Well, whoever it was, the, the second in command, she, she seems to be. I, I would love it if they could get Allison Mack. Because Allison Mack, to me, just you know, full disclosure, Smallville was my teenage years. Like it was just that show. It's just what to me introduced me to so many Superman lore things. You know, I, I loved it as a kid, but then Smallville made it like a teen drama that just resonated so well. And at least the first few seasons, seasons I was obsessed with that show. So seeing 
Allison Mack, who played Chloe in that show, being such a garbage, the garbage person that she is, it was just it it it's oh, it's so bad. Um, so and bad. then to see yeah. to see her fall too, you know, this person who had been a, an actor three, I think is what they say, to the point where she is at the end. Where, by the way, if you don't know, she's facing forty years in prison. It's crazy. It's it's honestly crazy. I love the slow burn aspect of it because it gets you hooked. It really gets you yeah, hooked. Yeah, me too. Um, there is a second documentary on it called Seduced, which is on Stars. Um, it's definitely a lower lower budget for sure than The Vow. Um, it's only four episodes, but the, albeit they're a little bit longer. I think the episodes are actually over an hour each. Um, and it's really focused on India, who is a, a recurring character in The Vow. Um, the very the very end of it is 2020, but it really ends around 2018, 2019, the very end of 2018, very early 2019, before the trial or anything starts. Um, and Seduce kind of picks up there and goes through it. What did you think about Seduce? Because I personally, like, if you're rating the two against each other, they're both documentaries about the same thing. I thought it was just, like, subpar and kind of whiny. Uh, well, for one, I just remember the name of the second in command. Her name's Nancy Fultzman. Um, but, and I didn't Google it before everybody, but uh, um, Seduce was great. Uh, I think from storytelling perspective it's not as it doesn't reach the heights that the vow does and it it, it but it, it gives you a lot more into uh, you know the dirty little secrets that they had because india Luxembourg uh was a member of dawes she was branded by with keith ranieri's and allison max's initials she was uh, a sex slave uh, she had her own slaves if you can believe it so it goes deeper into that side of the cult without going deep into what the vow does, which is why would this thing was actually appealing. But I think like it feels like it's India justifying herself at many points. Like, oh, it, you know, you didn't know how hard it was. And, you know, it was just... She also never says she's sorry. I don't know if you realize that. I realized that she, that she never, you know, when you watch the vow, you listen to Mark bonnie or these other people that got sarah the the board members that left and actually these are the people that caused the entire like if it weren't for those three people mark bonnie and sarah the entire thing would still be going right they were the ones that made this thing collapse yeah yeah honestly india paints them as kind of bad people especially for the first three episodes and then like when you watch them mark physically gets upset during one of the episodes and it's just like don't talk about it like this. It's not a joke. I can't believe I ever let people get into this. I can't believe I brought people into this. Basically, he's he cannot forgive himself, right, for what he to is his, to his marriage. What it did to his marriage because he 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 lured Bonnie his oh, wife yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that sense, if seduce is told from India's point of view, then the vow is told from Mark Bonnie's and especially, most importantly, Sarah's point of view because Sarah was yeah, the victim. Sarah. Bonnie and Mark uh, were, were not a part of the sex part, but Sarah was, and Sarah was the one whose picture was in the, the front page of the New York Times with her brand. Like, Sarah was, you know, the, the key player in this thing. Yeah. But but India comes across, like, for example, I noticed that she mentioned, oh, I had my slaves, but I thought it was wrong. It's like, no, you didn't. Because she, yeah, she, no, she, didn't, she didn't turn on Nexium until, like, she was, she didn't have a choice, until the FBI was like, Either collaborate or you go into prison like Allison Mack and Keith Raniere and Nancy Saltzman. Like, you know, you got to do it. And, and 
she just so happened to accidentally get, grab, like, she accidentally grabbed the flash drives with key evidence that put Ranieri away. Right. If those flash drives wouldn't have existed, he probably wouldn't have went away. Because then it would have just been hearsay. But, like, the fact that she had these flash drives that she just so happened to grab, quote, unquote, I just so happened to grab them and throw them in my bag when I ran out of Alice and Max's apartment and went back to California. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't believe that for one second. Right, right, I right, don't. right. Yeah, like, yeah. You grab those as leverage, and you did it to save Allison and Keith. And until the FBI was like, we're going to put you away with them, then you turn them over. Right. It was like something right. like six months Six months after they went to jail, she finally turned over the evidence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, it. 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 It is. It is too much uh, apologizing on India's part for stuff she doesn't. It. It. It doesn't come across as well. But it's a great watch. It. It's it seduce. It's a great watch. I didn't have stars. I got a free trial. You can get a free trial and watch it. Um. And and stay with HBO Max. Well, I guess HBO Max you can't. But you should have HBO Max. It's yeah. a pretty good stream service. So, but just to close this out, uh, again, 10 seconds, I'm sorry, but uh, we're almost out of time again. Uh, which one do you like best? You know, pick, pick which one would you like best? Just recommend whether you think people should be watching this or not. Yeah, I definitely think people should be watching these. I think it's really, like, the cult mentality. I think the Val does a much better seduce does. I don't think that India is really a policy. Matter of fact, when you find out that her slaves have slaves, like, things like that just make you not feel it. Like, it doesn't make you feel the way that the Val does. I would recommend watching both of them because I think it gives you a, a more complete view of what's going on in this whole cult. But that being said, definitely watch them. Definitely watch the Val if you have HBO Max. It's a, a great watch, especially since we have nothing else to do. Right. No, I totally agree. I, they they're, they're, they work well together, even though they're completely, well, because they're completely different about the same thing, they work really well together. And they give you a pretty good picture of what Nexium was. And, and it, it's a, usually with, with documentaries, sometimes I want to research more into the thing, you know, to learn more about what I don't yeah. know. And here I feel like I know enough that so I don't have to do that a lot. So it was enough to watch them both. And I can't wait for season two. They're both great. Go watch them. Um, but that's it for this story. Let's move on to the next one, John. All right. So here comes Pixar's Soul. Um, we can review it, but I think that both agree that this was a great movie. It was it was perfect. It was a perfect Disney Christmas movie, if that makes any sense. Like this is the type of movie that really makes me nostalgic of being able to go sit in the theater, get a popcorn. Now I, I showed yeah. Gabe, but you know we actually did that right. We had an outdoor screen set up for us and like couches. Beautiful, beautiful way to watch the movie. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Socially distanced, of course, but outside, and it was only with only with six people, but we were socially distanced still. I just want to put that out there. But that being said, great <laughs> way to watch it. Beautiful movie. Great story. It Pixar knocked it out of the park again. What did you think? I, I loved it. I mean, I, I I I could frame this as a review, and I'm struggling with writing a review about it on my on my own site because there's nothing more to say about this movie other than it's really really good it's it's heartwarming it's it goes by really fast because you're having so much fun it has beautiful characters beautiful visuals i i my only complaint my only nitpick i think would be that we didn't get a chance to watch in the theater like like you said it just i would have loved to watch this in the theater it's the best Pixar has done since inside out i think yeah i I agree it's beautiful and and nobody can make such a, an insane concept, so beautiful as Pixar. They just, they do so much with it. It is a standard Pixar movie and it follows very Pixar, like tragic hero type thing, right? Um, 
but it works and it's so good and it's such a good family movie. It is just a great movie. It looks great, first off. Like it just looks amazing. They did amazing. a great job with it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, lo- it looks beautiful. And and it's it's I mean it's it's also, you know, you got the two two leads, the the, the two uh, uh actors voicing the leads. Tina Fey and Jamie Foxx, of course. Right. I didn't know that was Tina Fey. I knew it was Jamie Foxx, but I didn't know that was Tina Fey. She's amazing. I, I just Tina Fey in anything, please. Just yeah, put her in there. <laughs> right? I mean it it was good. It was just I can't really find much wrong with it. You know, it, we all watch it as a family Christmas, and you just get that, like, good, warm feeling about it. I haven't really talked to anybody that didn't like it. You know, we were talking about cultural inaccuracies earlier. It wasn't culturally inaccurate. It didn't depict anything wrong. Like, it didn't go into, you know, it touches on the afterlife, but it doesn't in such a a good way. Right, like it doesn't right, right. claim any religion or try to do anything like that, and it just kind of comes across as everything's very ambiguous and and floaty in the cloud type thing. And the Jerry's were hilarious, the Jerry's and the Terry's, and they right. just they did just such a the good cat. Yeah, yeah, oh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I mean they all sometimes these Hollywood movies, this modern Hollywood movie, try really hard to appease. Uh, a, a, a part of the fan base that wants their movies to be, um, you know, culturally relevant in a way that's beyond artistic, right? So, oh, it's a good movie for female representation, for African American representation, for, you know. But if you are, if you start making a movie because you want this is going to be a feminist movie, so I'm going to write a feminist movie. It's like that's that's wrong from the start. You you, you have to be like, I, I want to tell my story. You know, and if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're, you know, LGBTQ, whatever, then the, the story is going to flow the way you want it to. And it, it just, it just feels like Soul was written. And, and I don't know this about any any of the filmmakers, but I'm sure the filmmakers were people <clears throat> that have that liked jazz, you know, yeah. and that had this this these thoughts about the afterlife, and had these thoughts about inspiration and 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 and, and life, you know, because ultimately the movie is about life. You know, and, and how we should look at life and value life. I know. And seizing the day. Yeah. It's, right. It's, seizing it's the day. Exactly. Day. Exactly. And it's just somebody felt like they wanted to tell that story. And it, it's as opposed to something like Captain Marvel, which is like, look, we're making a feminist movie. And it's like, just make a movie by a woman, you know, have a woman and give her the money and make her tell her story. And I feel like this is the story of somebody that wanted to talk about these themes and they work so well. Uh, because of it, I, I think it, it, and it wasn't it, in your face or anything like that. That's not at all. About it. Not at all. Not at all. And 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 I think I mean my only somewhat nitpick, but I it, it's a nitpick. But I was educated on this. I wish they would have it would have had like a cool song, you know, like a some, you know something like a, a "Remember Me" in Coco or or uh, you got oh, a yeah. friend in me. Um, but but a friend of mine who who uh, Leo, my, my, also your friend, uh, uh, somebody. Uh, that's also in this business of, of talking about movies. Leo was like, well, that's not what jazz is about. You know, jazz is about, uh, you know, the moment and inspiration and that way with the music. And in that sense, you know, the, the jazz music that you get in the movie, I'm sure for, for people that really enjoy jazz music are going to enjoy that. Even though me, I would have liked the singing song, something like, you know, <laughs> you've got a present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's not even nitpick. It's just something that came to my brain. But within what it is, it works so well. 
And, well, and it's one of the first yeah. Pixar movies in a long time that hasn't had. Like, I mean, everything else seems to have a song like that. Right, because they so do it so it, well. They do. Yeah, they do. It's they just do. Pixar. You know, it's it's a it's 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 about inspiration, and they don't let that get in the way. They have to do the occasional sequel, right? Toy Story Four, Cars Three, whatever. But when they have the chance, they go all in. They make the movie they they want to make, which is artistic, beautiful stories about either inanimate objects or inspired human beings. No Disney executive is going to try to walk into Pixar, which is arguably one of the reasons that Disney well, has so much money. Well, who who knows if they don't, yeah. but uh, that, that's a story for another time. Um, but anyway, uh, let's close this out. This has been a lot of fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we vented over Wonder Woman 1984, John. I think this has been therapeutic. I, I've been meaning to talk about this movie so much, and none the way from the Twitter, angry Twitter people, because if the discussion is whether the movie's too woke or not woke enough, or it's just, you know, let's talk about it for its merits as a movie. And as a movie, it had lots of flaws. So this was really great. And probably my favorite episode so far, John, this has been a pleasure. We were going to do a year in your review episode uh, midweek. So we're hoping to get that up uh, soon. Don't forget to subscribe to Sin Inspection. And don't forget to follow us also on Twitter at Sin Inspection. And you can, you can follow us separately, uh, me, Gabe, on Film Opinionitis, and I have my blog, filmopinionitis.com, where you can find many of these opinions and more. Um, and John at Joe Firth, that's J-O-H-F-I-R-T-H on Twitter. That's it for this week. We will see you next time. This has been Cinespectrum. <laughs>